What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Sasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Um, this is episode number nine. I'm pretty excited because we get into those double, double digits. Going into the next episode, and the next episode will probably be a mini-sode. I'm saying that now, and things always work out differently. But uh, because I usually jump these things off with news, and we all know that the news that came out of the uh, Marvel camp, in fact, the entire comic book world, was that uh, Stan Lee passed away Monday at the age of 95. So we lost uh, a legend that day. But... Uh, Losing a legend doesn't have to be a sad thing, especially when they lived as long as Stan Lee did, and especially as when he touched as many lives as he did with his creations. So today's episode is going to be a tribute to Stan Lee. We're going to talk about um, his professional accomplishments and a little bit of his personal life, and then I'll share some news, just a little bit of news with you at the end of the episode. Let's just jump right in. Stanley Martin Lieber, better known as Stan Lee, was born December 22, 1922. In his teens, his family lived in a small one-bedroom apartment where he and his brother shared the room while his parents slept on a couch. Stan always enjoyed writing. In his teens, he was a part-time obituary writer and he also wrote press releases for the National Tuberculosis Center among other odd jobs. He graduated before his 17th birthday, then joined the Federal Theater Project, which funded theater and entertainment programs as part of the New Deal during the Great Depression. In 1939, at 17 years old, Lee's uncle helped him get on at Timely Comics. One of his first duties at Timely was to make sure the inkwell used by artists never went dry so just think this is during the time when they had those ink pens with the little sharp tip and they dip it in the ink and then use that he just had to continuously fill an inkwell in the beginning in his uh, start at timely comics um, he, he also served as a gopher doing things like getting lunch for artists proofreading and erasing pencil marks from finished pages. So his beginnings were very humble from his uh, home life to his employment at uh, Timely Comics. Um, by 1941, Stanley Lieber adopted his pen name, Stan Lee, because he had begun writing text filler for Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. And also because he was embarrassed to be writing for comics when he truly aspired to be a novelist. So the name Stan Lee that we, we adore so much was a pseudonym because he really did not see the value at that time of writing for comics. about that? Um, later that year, Timely's editor Joe Simon and his partner Jack Kirby, remember that name, jumped ship. They had gotten into it with Timely Comics publisher Martin Goodman, 
who just happened to be married to Stan's cousin. After Simon and Kirby left, Stan became editor. He was just under 19 years old. In uh, 1942, Stan was called to serve in World War II as a member of the Signal Corps, repairing telephone poles and other communication equipment. He ended up being transferred to the uh, training film division where he wrote slogans, manuals, training films, and occasional cartoons. Now remember the propaganda from those days? Some of that was probably Stan. Um, he served from 1942 to 1945. Upon leaving uh, the military, Lee went back to Timely to the positions he left which were uh, editor-in-chief and art director. By the 1950s, Timely was known as Atlas Comics. Lee and Dan DiCarlo teamed up to do a syndicated comic strip called My Friend Irma. Stan's Atlas work spanned several genres by this time. Uh, he was in westerns, sci-fi, romance, um, but he was becoming more and more dissatisfied and even thought about quitting. But DC Comics, DC Comics came to the rescue. No, Stan didn't jump ship. Uh, DC started putting out bangers to include Justice League and they had revamped Flash as well. So they were, uh, they had built a team. So now Martin Goodman wanted Stan to come up with a squad and uh, see if they could compete with DC's success. So now Stan, who was already ready to quit, went home, tells his wife, Joni, and uh, she challenged him to experiment with stories he liked. Telling stories with these characters that he was gonna create that he wanted to tell because he, at this point, he had nothing to lose. He was trying to quit anyway. So, the rest is fucking history. Lee and Jack Kirby gave us the first family, Fantastic Four. So yeah, Kirby left DC and came on back home. Then uh, they gave us the Fantastic Four, Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, and the X-Men. Then Lee with Bill Everett gave us Daredevil, and then Lee and uh, Steve Ditko gave us Doctor Strange. So all of these characters were flawed, complex, real. They had the same issues and problems that everyday people had to include uh, uh, being alcoholics, uh, substance abuse, financial issues, um, bad attitudes, tempers, they were real individuals, um, and that was different from what DC was doing because DC were, was giving us uh, perfect, almost perfect superheroes. Where Marvel was not, a, well, Stan Lee was not afraid to um, explore the humanity of people who may have also been gifted with superpowers. So, um, using the characters in their arsenal, Lee and Kirby 
assembled the Avengers. I wish I could just, I wish I could use that Avengers music right there, but of course I would get copyright uh, violated and then I would probably be sued. So I won't do that. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Lee was certain to credit the writers, the penciler, the inker, and the letterer in new issues. He updated readers on Marvel staff and upcoming stories on the bullpen bulletins page. Basically, he created a community with fans around the comics. So all through the 60s, Stan scripted, art directed, and edited most of Marvel's series, among other endeavors to build a relationship with his readers. And he signed off on all of this with Excelsior, his trademark. This became the era of the Marvel method. So to keep up with all of these things, all of these hats that Stan was wearing and all of these properties that they had created, they would, uh, they came up with what is considered now the Marvel method, but it's actually something that's been used by comic book companies all over the place. And they were using it before Marvel, but Marvel perfected it. So basically it was a think tank. They would all be in a room and they would brainstorm ideas and bounce them off of each other. Once they uh, got an idea that they liked, they'd write a synopsis, not a full script. They'd give that synopsis to the artist. The artist would draw the panels with the action that he thought captured that synopsis. And then Stan Lee would go back and fill in, he'd write the dialogue in the, in the uh, word bubbles. And they did this to perfection. Okay, but um, Steve Ditko left. In came John Romita Sr. and our favorite, Webhead. Upon Spidey's 1966 arrival, he took over Marvel's top spot, demoting the Fantastic Four. Uh, Lee and Romita tackled tough issues for the times they were in. Vietnam, elections, student activism, and racism. In 1967, they gave us a heavily featured Robbie Robertson, who was black, in Spider-Man. Uh, we were introduced to the first black mainstream superhero, Black Panther, and as well as Falcon, who was a uh, sidekick superhero to Captain America, and he was black. In 1972, Stan became publisher of Marvel Comics. In 1981, he moved to California to work on Marvel's TV and movie properties. Um, in the 90s, he stepped away from day-to-day -day operations at Marvel. Uh, later, in 2002, Lee ended up suing Marvel because he wasn't being paid for the use of his characters. Uh, at this time, Sony's Spider-Man and Fox's X-Men were making lots of money, and Stan really wasn't seeing any of it. Uh, the party settled for seven figures in 2005. And in 2007, uh, Lee sold Stan Lee Media to Jim Nesfield. Then Nesfield turned around and sued Marvel Entertainment for $5 billion, claiming Lee had given rights to several characters to the company. Then he turned around, Jim Nesfield did, and sued Stan Lee. So at this point, a lot of people, a lot of people's hurt. Now I don't really, 
I'll have to dig into and get the uh, the story on what happened with those lawsuits, and it could end up being um, an episode, a future episode, because I kind of want to dig dig into that. But um, yeah, because we, if we can remember going into uh, Iron Man, Iron Man was uh, almost a last resort. It it had the weight of the world on its shoulders. It had to succeed because if not, Marvel was going bankrupt. But another story for another day. Let's continue talking about Stan Lee. Um, Stan had a charitable foundation. It was funded in, uh, founded in 2010 to focus on literacy, education, and the arts. Um, on July 6th, uh, 2017, uh, this, this is where the story kind of gets sad for, for Stan. And I'm not even talking about the getting sued and all this because we know he recouped a lot of that, uh, by being listed as a special executive, uh, producer or some, something like that on the, uh, all of the Marvel projects after Iron Man. So Stan was doing okay. He was doing all right. He was getting his $1 million per year uh, pension from Marvel. And he was making money on his other uh, projects that he was in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then on July 6, 2017, uh, Stan's wife, Joni, died from complications of a stroke. Uh, She was 95 years old. So again, these long, rich lives. But you know, it's it's always sad when um, a couple had been together for as long as Stan and Joni had. They'd been together for nearly 70 years. Think about that. Who knows? Some people don't even make it to 70 years old, and he stayed married to the same woman for 70 years. And then when she passed away. Uh, yeah, things got bad for Stan, um, reportedly, allegedly. In April uh, 2018, The Hollywood Reporter published that uh, Kia Morgan and others uh, and Stan Lee's daughter had been abusing Lee by isolating him from friends and family following Joni's death in an attempt to gain access to his $50 million fortune. Um, I got a little bit more on that. Uh, it could be said that uh, Lee's daughter, JC, was the abusive one, however. The uh, 67 years year old daughter had a trust fund and she would often overspend it. She would spend twenty dollars to $40,000 a month on bullshit. And yes, this is where if you have a problem, a real problem with language, just turn it off because I'm going in on these. I'm going in on them because they're 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 pieces of shit for doing this to stand. So reports say that she would yell at Stan. She would cry and scream to get her own way and Stan would cave in. Uh, Jerry Olivares, Kia Morgan, and uh, JC, the daughter, 
uh, her attorney, Kirk Shank, seemingly seemingly used to gas JC, the daughter, up to do these things to get money from Stan. So send her, get pretty much just get her gassed, send her in there and tell her to get some money from her daddy and she, she would go in there and act a damn fool to get it. Uh, then Kia Morgan and JC started isolating Stan from Mike Kelly, who was Lee's assistant for 25 years. Uh, he used to come over daily from, from meetings with Stan, but Morgan and JC cut that to pre-approved weekly supervised visits. They wouldn't even let this man who'd been part of his life for 25 years see him unsupervised because they wanted to see what was being said. Okay, uh, then they hired Toby McGuire's brother to be the accountant. His name is Vince McGuire. So, no, this is not a good thing. Oh, we keep the money all together in the Spider-Man family. No. Uh, Vince was Morgan's friend. So, if you keep his score, now Stan is down three to zip. Uh, they fired the gardener and the housekeeper, both of whom had been with Lee for decades. They changed his phone number and they began intercepting his emails. They'd released videos of uh, 95-year-old Stan Lee saying everything was fine, but he's 95 years old. He's a people pleaser. So how hard would it be to to coerce him into saying everything is fine? So they waited until uh, Joni passed away because she ran the household force. So Stan took care of the business side of things, the financial side of things, but Joni was the force in the household. On the other hand, again, Stan was a people pleaser and these pieces of shit were just taking advantage of the fact that they knew that he did not have the backbone to continue to say no to his only daughter, uh, uh, JC. Okay, so make things worse, there are reports that their ungrateful daughter actually put her hands on both of her parents in front of Stan's business manager. So you know if she'd do that in front of company, how she really would act if it wasn't anybody there. Uh, they said that the uh, that Joni ended up with first uh, blood vessels in her arm and Stan had a contusion on his head from that altercation. And the business manager took photos and wanted to get law enforcement involved. Uh, The family decided not to because they felt like the the daughter is so mentally frail. Well, she's mentally frail, but she's not stupid enough where she didn't know that she could bleed money out of her dad. Anyway, uh, I can't. I can't with this shit. I can't do it. I thought I could. I had more to, to uh, I can't. The Hollywood Reporter uh, has an article that was from April of this year. If you would like to know more about what trash these people were for uh, what they were attempting to do to stand. And uh, it ended with him uh, getting a, re- a restraining order for 
against certain members of this little posse. And then uh, he says his real friends looked out for him in the end. And I'm saying all that because uh, once Joni passed away, it seems as if, you know, the predators, the vultures started circling. And it's best that he just went to go ahead and be back with her where he could protect her in one way and she could protect him in another. Because again, uh, that was a lifetime. That was like some people, two lifetimes of them being together. It was beautiful, a beautiful relationship for them to have lasted that long, especially with the uh, measure of success that Stan had, uh, had attained. A lot of men would walk away from their old wife and go find them a new model, but not Stan. And, uh, you know, uh, a little over a year after her passing, he, uh, he went to, and, um, there's so much to celebrate about Stan. So if his death keeps him from any mistreatment, uh, that's just one more thing to celebrate. And that is the story of Stan Lee. And I, I, I hope that you all uh, look into it more, find out more about Stan, and uh, appreciate what he brought to the entertainment world with his characters. With that, um, I said I had a little piece of news that I can't wait for the next video to share. And that is, we're going to do a watch party. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do a watch party of the Marvel movies. And I'm thinking, instead of doing them in release order, I'm thinking do it in chronological order, except for Captain Marvel, because, you know, it's not released yet. It comes, I believe Captain Marvel would come uh, pretty close to right behind Captain America, but not released yet. Um, by the time, I'm hoping that by the time that movie comes out, we'll be pretty close to where we're supposed to be if we watch one movie a week. And the first week, we're going to do Captain America, the first Avenger, and we are also going to have a guest. We're going to have author Adam DeColibus. He is the author of an upcoming novel called Caravan. And he's never, ever, 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 ever seen Captain America. So, the fact that he's never seen Captain America and he's not an MCU zealot like I am, he's going to see this movie with fresh eyes. So, he and, he and I are going to discuss the uh, first Avenger um, coming up on the November 23rd, I think the November 23rd episode so keep your eyes open for that that will be on a friday i believe so keep your eyes open for that and um uh, outside of that gonna go ahead and close up shop because uh we still have a little mini sold to do as well um i want to thank you for listening i would like to ask all of my listeners to head over to itunes rate and review the podcast. It's going to do a lot to help the podcast grow. And it's also going to let me know what I can do better. 
Also, uh, come you can leave me a message at afterthesnap at gmail.com. Uh, comments. Tell me what's a topic that you'd like to talk about, discuss. Uh, tell me how I ramble sometimes. Tell me something that you'd like to see done better. All of that after the snap at gmail.com. And you can interact with me regularly on the After the Snap Facebook page. You can also go to the Snap Survivors group on Facebook and you'll catch me there. You can also catch me occasionally <laughs> on Twitter at Snap After. And um, that's it. That's all I got. And uh, if that's all you've got too, Excelsior. Catch you on the flip.